Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year. Unless it's a leap year, then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. And it's Super Bowl Sunday. It is the fifth day. I'm posting this on the fifth day of February 2017. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this outside at night in Orange Grove Park in South Pasadena, California, just down the street from the historic Rose Bowl. I almost said the 101 from AT&T Park, but no, I'm in Southern California right now. And I got to tell you, I was driving past Orange Grove Park, which is a park I've taken my kids to many, many times over the last, I don't know, decade. And while I was here, it's Super Bowl Sunday. And of course, Super Bowl is, the Super Bowl is just saturating everything in the world of sports right now. Yeah, and it's the biggest event of the, you know, probably the biggest event of the sports TV calendar and everything. And the Patriots are going to play the Falcons. I, I probably can't name five players who are playing. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to watch the game. I don't know where I am. I may, I may go to a friend's house, or you can probably hear I'm a little bit under the weather. So maybe I'll go, you know, just sit at home and have some chicken noodle soup. Because, yeah, that's how I party. But as I was driving at night to pick something up, I saw that the lights were all on on this park, and they've got a great softball field here. And I remember thinking, oh, cool. They've lit the park. It'll, it'll make me think of baseball. Because they've got lights on. They've got a scoreboard here. It's a softball field where, where most of the girls in South Pasadena Little League play. And as I walked up, I saw there were a couple of girls who were on the mound of the softball field who were practicing. They were practicing. They were pitching. And, oh, man, my heart just soared because it was like baseball's not that far away. We are not far away. By the way, you can hear in the background someone's sneakers are squeaking because they're playing basketball. I'm recording this the night before the Super Bowl. It's about a quarter past nine at night. And there are girls playing Little League and guys playing basketball here. And I just wanted to savor this to sort of say, hey... For all of you baseball fans who are just longing for baseball to get started again, nothing else is, is, you know, filling that void. Not even the damn Super Bowl. And yet, I'm not alone. These kids practicing here at night make me really happy that baseball is right around the corner. And I'm, it's probably going to be a really, really cool season because we have... The two defending pennant winners, the Indians and the Cubs, are stacked going into next year, or this year, in a couple of months. The Red Sox have, you know, have, uh, you know, got some big names along the way. The Mariners, the Astros have made big moves to try to finally take their franchise off the schneid. It's going to be terrific. And so, you know, the Super Bowl will be over soon, and we can start to focus on baseball. Uh, I don't have a Super Bowl. Do you know what? I'll make a Super Bowl pick. What the hell? 
I mean, you're not here listening for the Super Bowl. I'm only going to talk about this for a little bit because it's not based upon any analysis. Um, I think the Patriots are going to win 24-21. I am basing that on nothing except two numbers that could easily be achieved playing football. 24-21 is the final. Um, There you go. I predict that. The Patriots... And the glorious thing is that everyone assumes I'm a New England Patriot fan because I'm a native New Englander and uh, I'm a Red Sox and Celtic fan. I really don't care. I get all the rewards of being a Patriot fan and none of the downside of being a Patriot fan. So there you go. It's... But <clears throat> one of the reasons why I want the Patriots to win, other than the fact that I'm a native New Englander and everyone will start congratulating me as if I suited up, is because... I dislike Roger Goodell. I've made this very, very clear that I think that he has been deceitful. I think that he has been, uh, he has done a ton of damage socially in how he's run his league. Not just in terms of, well, you know, draft picks and, and, and compensation. No, 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 no. In terms of how we treat humanity. In terms of how we treat our fellow human beings. In that regard, Ray, cover your son's ears. In that regard, Roger Goodell's a piece of shit. And one of the things that he did was he created a distraction. This whole deflate gate thing about did Tom Brady take some air out of football? And got everyone riled up and made that a topic of conversation. And, this is not my opinion, this is a fact, he punished him worse, punished Tom Brady and the Patriots worse than his initial punishments for domestic violence. And he had to be dragged in, shamed, and made to look like a fool. And basically was shown that he was a liar in terms of all the domestic abuse and, and of course, not even going into the concussions and all the things that they have gone out of their way to cover up over the years. So, for that matter, the fact that he did all that, the fact he would have to hand the trophy over to Tom Brady, to me, is a little bit of anything to humiliate that man is really good for mankind. Now, Tangentially, that's going to get to the Sunday request in a strange, strange way. Uh, I got a, a Sunday request a little while ago from a, uh, a reader of, or, and a listener who contributes a lot, the starting block. And um, that's, uh, I'm going to, the starting block is, is the Twitter handle. I'm not sure, man or woman, I'm not sure who, which is the case here because I do not know the starting block personally. But um, this reader, listener, why am I keep saying reader, uh, sent to me via Twitter. Um, Sully Baseball, I've been listening to your October shows and noticed that your stance regarding Aroldis Chapman ended up having you spend more time talking about him than any other player who did have a positive influence on the game. That way... Um, uh, you can spend more time focusing on players that positively impact the game. Essentially, here's what it was. 
Uh, I may have read, read some of its tweets out of order, so forgive me there. Basically, if uh, for those of you who are familiar and have been floating along the River Sully for the ma majority of the year, you know that I rooted for the Indians over the Cubs in the World Series. <clears throat> and one of the main reasons why I did was I really, really did not want to see the visual of a Rolvis Chapman jumping up on the mound and being mobbed by his teammates for the clinching of a World Series. I knew that the Cubs winning the World Series would be a historic moment and one that they would repeat over and over again in highlight packages of great baseball moments. And if the final result was, you know, the final moment of a World Series is many times a shot of the most of the times is the shot of the pitcher who makes the final out jumping up in the air or throwing his arms up or something, whatever it is. And it's usually it becomes the poster, it becomes the picture, everyone hangs up. And I did not want that to be a role as Chapman. That was, the, that was the entire reason I was rooting against the Cubs, was I did not want to see that. I also felt very, very strong feelings positively towards the Cleveland Indians. I liked a great deal of their players. I'm a big fan of Francisco Lindor. I'm a big fan of Mike Napoli, who was a member of the Boston Strong Red Sox. Of course, Terry Francona, manager of the Red Sox, two, first two championships since 1918. Uh, I, I'm a fan of Carlos Santana. Uh, I'm a fan of Corey Kluber. I'm a fan of Andrew Miller, who was also part of the Boston Strong Red Sox. There are a lot of reasons, and, and, I, and I love the idea of Cleveland having two parades in one year after being denied so many. Uh, I, I just, I, I liked all that. <clears throat> I thought that there was, um, it was amazing that, that they were, you know, and they were the underdog. I know the Cubs hadn't won forever and they were cute and cuddly, but the Cubs were a high-budget team with a huge window of opportunity, and the Indians were a scrappy bunch who lost their star left fielder, lost two of their star pitchers, and got to within one swing of winning the damn World Series. So I thought they were a great story that were overlooked. But the main reason were the optics. And I kept driving that home. Now, one of the reasons the starting block, I kept bringing that up over and over again, was I was just pissed off that it seemed like we were running to a borderline inevitable a collision for that uh, scenario to unfold. And I really was pissed off about that. And also because when I would write things positive, cheering for the Indians, and posting positive things about why I want, you know, I'm rooting for the Indians, way, way to go, great home run, and everything like that, on Twitter, there were people who could not believe that I was rooting against the Cubs. And so I felt the need to explain that. Now, <clears throat> I also felt, though, it is important to not just have be positive about the Indians and positive about many of the players on the Cubs, who are very easy to root for as well. But it was important to make people not forget what happened. Roldis Chapman did some terrible things. Was he arrested? Were charges filed? Of course not. Do you know how infrequently charges are filed? 
in domestic violence cases? Do you have any idea why? Of course you do. You're just in denial if you say why. Because the person's scared out of their minds. And I felt that there's been way too much in sports of poo-pooing, brushing away, saying, oh, this is just, it's something that happened, it's in their private lives, no, charges weren't filed, it's okay. There's way too much of that in sports. We see it, it's like crazy going on in the NFL. And it goes on in baseball too. Jose Reyes, Hall of Fame manager Bobby Cox, F that guy. And Chapman. And the reason why I specifically was aiming at Chapman was I didn't want the image of him to become part of the baseball visual language, like Kirk Gibson rounding the bases, like Ricky Henderson picking up the base when he finally slides, like Hank Aaron circling the bases in a 715th home run. These are moments that are etched into our collective minds as of our visual recollection of baseball. Joe Carter jumping up and down and having that crazy home run trot he had. I did not want part of the visual language of baseball to be a role as Chapman and more importantly to not have the narrative be in a year that started with so much controversy he gets redemption it ends well blah 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 blah. It's important to keep pointing your finger at that and say, no, 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 no. There is no redemption. I don't care if Aroldis Chapman struck out the last three batters on nine pitches. There is no redemption for what he did. There are crimes, as I said, that have irreversible effects. Murder has irreversible effects. Rape has irreversible effects. Uh, child abuse has irreversible effects, and domestic violence has irreversible effects. That person who is abused, whether it's physically, mentally, whatever it is, will always be in a state of retreat psychologically. It is not a mistake. It's not something that you mess up. It is an act of intentional violence that is used to control another human being. And usually a human being you purport to love and have some sort of relationship with and you now have power over them and power that is asserted with either violence or the threat of violence. That's irreversible. It is. And so I didn't want to just say, hey, let's just focus on the positive. No, there's some big-ass negatives to focus on, too. And there's way too much casual brushing it aside that goes on right now. You know when you go and you read about, like, let's just say you read about uh, uh, Jackie Robinson. I'll take an easy one. You read about Jackie Robinson, and you read about some of the press that may have been negative about Jackie at his time, and you look back and you're like, oh man, they thought so differently back then. Oh God, listen, oh, listen to what they're saying. Oh, I'm so glad we've progressed since then. And we have. But guess what? 20, 30 years from now, we're going to read stuff that we're saying today, 
And I'm sure I've said stuff on this podcast, which 20, 30 years from today will say, oh man, what was Sully thinking? Well, we're, I'm reading stuff today that I'm already saying, oh God, really? Now, take for example that sack of shit known as Hal Steinbrenner. That miserable little punk who's inherited his father's team and doesn't know what the hell he's doing. Now, one of the things that he said was we're talking about a role as Chapman. And he was saying, the quote, you know, uh, was brushing aside the seriousness of domestic violence. Uh, he was great talking about when Chapman pitched for the Yankees last year before they traded him to the Cubs. He paid the penalty. Sooner or later, we forget, right? That's the way it's supposed to be in life. He did everything right, said everything right when he was with us. Clearly made a mistake. Um, he's a special guy, about as strong a guy as you'll ever come across. Now, just think about everything he said there. That, well, we forget it eventually. Because he can throw the ball 100 miles an hour. We forget it eventually. Yeah, he was fine when he was here. Essentially, he was on good behavior. Oh, really? He wasn't choking someone and firing a gun to threaten his girlfriend who was hiding in the fucking bushes? Ray, sometimes you gotta use harsh words. Ray is one of my listeners. He sometimes thinks I swear too much. This is a topic where a word like that is valid. She was hiding in the fucking bushes, terrified. Gunshots were fired. I mean, the, the worst, I mean, like, let's just say, like, the worst we could say is like, all right, all right, well, you know, just, it happens. He made a mistake. No, he didn't make a mistake. A mistake is I dropped my car keys down the well. A mistake is I bet all my money on the Packers. Threatening your girlfriend or the person you purport to love with a weapon is not a mistake. Oh, I happened to pick up this gun. Oh, I thought it was a rolling pin. Stop it. And just the complete dismissal of it. Hey, eventually you forget. What's, when you say eventually you forget, think about the things you don't forget about in sports. You don't forget about an error someone made. You don't forget about a missed call. You don't forget, you don't forget about, you know, Grady Little leaving Pedro Martinez in too long. But we're going to regret him threatening his girlfriend with a weapon, a gun. And based entirely on he's as strong as a guy as you'll ever come across. That's demonstrably wrong. Every human being who has not threatened the person he loves with a gun is exponentially stronger than the coward known as Aroldis Chapman. And so, this is the sort of thing when you read quotes like this, and you read some people are like, oh, let's move on, he paid the penalty. No, he was suspended. It's not like, okay, sit out a third of the season and suddenly that's okay without any consideration for 
how does this affect the person who is threatened? And let's go on to another step further. How does this affect other people who have gone through this? How does this affect people who are threatened? How does this affect people who are trying to recover from this irreversible crime? When you look out in a society that says, ah, sit out a couple of months and you'll be okay, and then become a multimillionaire and be celebrated. That's why I didn't want to see him jumping up and down on the mound. Because then he would all, it would all be positive. It would be a comeback story. You know, sometimes you have to point out crappy things. And one of the things that I really, really hope, I mean, now we're seeing there's some really negative things and the Brock Turners and the grabbing, I'm going to say cover your son's ear again, Ray, but hell, he's the president of the United States, grabbing pussy. And, the, and Brock Turner and everything, we're starting to see there still is an incredibly lackadaisical attitude towards how women should be treated. And I really hope that in 2020, 2030, 2040, we look back at this decade and go like, oh man, they were just, this was disgusting how they treated women. That's disgusting how they even dismissed domestic violence as just a mistake. Oh, it's a mistake. He paid the price. Let's move on. Do you want, I guess where I want to be, I want to be on the right side of this. If you say that I'm going on a politically correct rant here, it's because you're wrong. On this topic, if you disagree with this, you are demonstrably incorrect. One of the things that keeps popping up in sports is this big sort of tough guy machismo attitude. And there is nothing that is less tough, less admirable, and less manly than abusing a woman. And if you disagree with me, it's because you are a terrible person. If you think that makes you a tough guy, if you think that makes you strong, that makes you weak. That makes you spineless. That makes you a coward. And do you know what? We have too much bullying going on. We have too much violence going on. And we have too many women who are abused and feel that there is no recourse. Because what will society say? It's okay. As long as you can throw the ball 100 miles an hour. So, the starting block, the reason why I focused on that was I really cherish and love baseball history. I really cherish and love the narrative of baseball and the visual language of baseball. And I knew that a Cubs victory was going to be one of the great positive things that happened in the history of baseball. And to have someone who did what he did, and I know that he did what he did. Now, there are things that have happened in the past. We find out later this person was terrible or that person was terrible. I, I can't retroactively 
erase some of the positive feelings I felt during a World Series about people who I found out later were rotten people. But while it's happening, I wanted to avoid it. Now, the positive thing that happened was we didn't see that happen. And the visual that we'll have would either be Rizzo sticking the ball in his back pocket or or Bryant making the throw or maybe Montgomery jumping up and down and being the pitcher who did it. But I think most the image that people have is uh, Rizzo jumping up and stuffing the ball in his back pocket and the scrum that happened on the mound in Cleveland and not a roll to Chapman. This is serious stuff. And there's sometimes in life you can make a decision. Am I going to be on the right side of something or am I going to be on the wrong side of something? Am I going to be the person that I look back and say, oh man, yeah, I used to think that, but uh, yeah, I, I know better now. Or even worse, being the person, yeah, and I don't care what you politically correct people think, that's how I think and feel. Congratulations. I'd rather be on the right side of this story. I'd rather be on the right side of history on this because this is going to be one of those things that hopefully in a generation is just so clear, is so obvious. And they'll look back and say, yeah, back in the 2010s, yeah, that's kind of the way they thought back then. Well, I don't. I don't. And if you don't think that I'm right or you think I was being PC, trust me. If they had the term politically correct, those who would have been against the integration of baseball would have used that term for the people who wanted to see integration happen. So keep that in mind in the starting block. I had lots of positive feelings and thoughts about this wonderful World Series. Now, let's go on to another great year and see what happens. And enjoy the Super Bowl, what the hey. Don't eat too much. And go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, so I have an iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Standing on a softball field in the, in the night before the Super Bowl, this has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please, please, I beg you, call me Sully. <laughs>